everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I am your host Lila Winston. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to today's Bible study. As you know, we come together to read in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it and also so that we can discover the purpose for our lives. And so I want to uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've been good. I hope that um, you've been learning and really kind of putting the fruits of the Spirit into practice in your own life. I know that this study um, on the fruits of the Spirit has been really quite wonderful for me. It's just been, uh, I feel, a blessing, you know, delving into what the Spirit offers and what is available to us and how to practice that in everyday life. Um, it's just been a blessing in my own life and I have found that you know the more that I study and then put those things into practice the more peace I have the more confidence the more joy and that is why I tell you guys to study to read not because you just want to be erudite and that's perfectly fine but I tell you that so that you can incorporate these things into your life and see the benefit that it actually has and I can only speak as a witness for you to let you know that it's absolutely true, it absolutely works, and it absolutely works on an internal level that I think probably for me is probably the most valuable part of it, is what I gain from it. And so I want us to now finish out the series in our First Fruits series on the fruits of the spirit we are now at the home stretch and so i want to thank you so much for going along with me on this journey and no matter what time or what year you are listening to this um, series i hope that it blesses you i hope that you use it in your bible studies and your fellowships and find ways to incorporate it every day so we're going to go ahead and look at our anchor text for the final time it is galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to 23 and you know it well it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law and so we have come to the final episode guys so you've made it you know we need to cheer for us all and so I want to welcome you to this broadcast our final episode will be on the spiritual fruit of temperance, the spiritual fruit of temperance. And um, I'm so glad that temperance is the final fruit because I think it's so very important. And I think we often do not uh, underscore it as much as we could in the body of Christ. This one is big. It is a big one. And I think it's particularly big today in our culture where we are accustomed to, you know, Kind of not talk about what it means to control yourself to have um, a measure of self-control and just kind of do what you want do what you feel has become the sort of uh i don't know if you could say the zeitgeist of the day but unfortunately it has and i think that uh with a lot of self-control um we can see wonderful things happen and i want you to note that the word temperance in galatians uh, we're going to look at first it's a Greek word and it means it's actually um, ekratia and it means mastery it means self-control right it means self-mastery self-restraint self-control and continence and these are huge things and I feel like they're icky words <laughs> I don't know if that's right but I feel like they're words like cod liver oil or 
you know, fish oil or, you know, things that people don't like, like broccoli. These are things that are good for you, but are not particularly appetizing, right? And so that word, um, it actually uh, means dominion or mastery. And so when you look at it, it means self-dominion. That's really cool. Or self-control. And not just any kind of self-control. It is a control proceeding out of or from within oneself, right? But not by oneself. So there's this idea that you are having this self-control that allows you to control how you, I guess you would say, um, interact in the world, how you interact with others, how you interact with yourself. And I think we need to have a conversation about self-control when it comes to ourselves, because that isn't talked about either. And I think this is awesome because it literally means self-dominion, self-dominion. And I think we've forgotten that, you know, God has given us dominion over our own soul, our own physical body and its appetites. So when we, you know, think of this, um, and I'll just use this idea of speaking to the rock or even to the wind, you know. solutions to our everyday problems in our lives and I wanted to come here to give you an opportunity if you are an advertiser and you would like to um, tell the world about your product or service you can get a 60 second or 30 second slot at this broadcast now guys as you know this is a religious broadcast so I cannot do advertisements or sponsorships that do not fit within the context of a believer's life. So if you have resources or uh, services or products that you think would be edifying to the body of Christ, even if you also have a podcast and you'd like to advertise that here, I would be happy to share that with listeners. You can reach out to me, check out the link in the description, and you can also contact me um, at the link below there's a little contact section and you can leave me a message so thanks so much don't forget to follow me on social media and i i am at twitter.com forward slash one love live that's o-n-e-l-u-v-l-i-v-e thanks so much god bless and i look forward to hearing from you bye That is why you will find that I believe deep down in my heart that temperance is one of the most powerful spiritual fruits and that it's unfortunate that we don't discuss it all that much because most people unfortunately want power over other people, situations, and even things and we tend to value spiritual gifts that tend to give us a measure of supernatural power in our world over spiritual fruit. But temperance requires us to look at ourselves and take initiative to act as it regards our emotions, our responses, our feelings, what we're thinking about, right? It requires us to take a level of responsibility. And I want to show you something in Luke chapter 13, verse 12. 
And it says, And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Now, I want us now to look at the definition in the Old Testament. I think this is really an important aspect uh, of it as well, because um, when we look at the idea of loosing others in the New Testament, we, we kind of never think about ourselves. So let's think about what it means to, you know, uh, exercise a kind of power or authority over ourselves. And so the Hebrew word for temperance is most often continence or restraint, meaning also sobriety. And we see that word a lot too, and self-control. And we know many times the Bible calls for sobriety. Many times. Just go out, go through the Bible, look up sober. <laughs> you know, he calls for it in the establishment of bishops, in deacons and elders, and even their family, right? As well as our walk with Christ. So the ability to rule or have dominion over yourself is priceless. And it is also a fruit of the Spirit, which we can choose to heed or not. And I say this all the time in this series, you have the choice to decide to uh, implement any of these fruits. It is your choice entirely. In the same way that you get to choose whether you will quench the Spirit when it comes to your spiritual gifts or not. You know, the Spirit of God and God Himself, He's not a taskmaster. He's not someone who's going to force you to do something that you don't want, right? He even watched them eat the forbidden fruit and never tried to stop them. He just watched them do it, right? Like, so I think we really have to think about who God is when we think about what's happening in our world, a lot of people who are trying to blame God realize he's not a task, he's not someone who's going to jump in there and just stop people just because it's bad. He's giving you the choice to make it, right? And so, if Jesus could command the sea to be sealed and to be at peace, I have to ask, can we not also command our own souls, our, you know, vitals, you know, our emotions? Can't we do that? When when was the last time? And I want to ask you this. You actually spoke to your emotions, to your mind or your flesh, right? I think sometimes we're so busy trying to speak to the wind. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with speaking to the wind, okay? I'm not trying to make fun of that in any kind of way. That's an important component of what God has given us authority over. But I also want you to think about how you can command your palpitating heart to say peace be still let's look at jesus in uh, when he was in the boat it says in four and i'm sorry mark chapter 4 verse 39 and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm and so we have dominion over the physical world and our emotions and body are a part of that world. I don't want you to forget that. So when God calls to the sea and to the wind, it shows us what we can do. It also shows us that we can speak to our own emotions and flesh. There is actually a Bible study here on Love Walk called Speak to the Rock, Don't Strike It. And I think it's really great. You need to check it out because it tells us about the model of prayer that Jesus Christ brought as a part of the new covenant. And I think this is probably something that isn't studied as much, but I hope you will take the time to listen to that because it will give you a better understanding of what Jesus Christ means when he tells you to pray. This is not the typical prayer you may be accustomed to praying, but it is the biblical way to pray according to Jesus Christ if you just look in the scriptures. And so we see this measure of control that we have when we pray in this manner. But often 
when we pray, we are not taking a moment to think about how we can actually control ourselves. And so when we are always thinking of controlling others or the circumstances around us, that we forget that there is another side of every storm, right? Or every contingency in our lives. We see this with the disciples and Jesus in the boat. And I want you to look at it as, you know, two ways to control something, right? So the first option is stopping the storm, of course, right? You know, there's a storm, there's wind, and so forth. So stop the wind. You pray and ask God, oh, please stop the trouble, stop the whatever is going on, you know, Lord. That's one thing you can do, right? But then there is another option. The second one is stopping the storm of fear and emotion that is inside of you and sleeping right through the storm just like Jesus Christ. You know, we often go for stopping the wind and the storm first, and that's not bad. When actually, sometimes, God wants to teach us how to stop the storm inside, even when there's a storm outside. And that happens with temperance, right? Temperance is not a small thing. It is a huge, huge, big deal, right? It gives us a great advantage in our life, and it provides a defense that we could all use. I want to show you what the Bible says about it in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. It says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Not just without walls, it's broken down. <laughs> a city without walls is always naked to an or siege. It's why every country has border guards and sometimes walls. It is to protect it from assault or interlopers. And so the Bible says, if you can't rule your own spirit, you are like a city where anybody can come in and lay siege or steal from it. When we do not control ourselves, we are less vulnerable because we are easily triggered, easily provoked, easily offended, easily seduced, easily deceived. And so when we are too prompt to act and slow to think, that backfires. You know, many people who fall into really terrible situations that backfire are often unwise, they're prideful, and they're easily offended or quick-tempered. And that is backward. That's why things backfire on people. Have you ever seen a situation where someone is doing something that's constantly backfiring? You're like, how come they didn't see that? Because they are not taking control of themselves, right? I want to, you got to... I want to say this in a nice way, but sometimes you got to put a leech on yourself. <laughs> in fact, the Bible says put a knife to your own throat if you are given to overindulgence. Did I make that up? No, I didn't. And we're going to look at that because I like to show you guys stuff in the Bible and prove it in Scripture. Just go to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 1 to verse 3. Look at what it says. Now remember, Proverbs is the book of wisdom. So it says, when you sit to eat with a ruler... Consider diligently what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. The teacher in Proverbs is teaching self-control, but especially before men of great power and authority. In this example, he uses a king because he wants us to understand the power component This is advice that would save people going into, you know, kind of cutthroat industries or, you know, having to uh, deal with maybe uh, treacherous sort of people or meeting powerful people even that make deals. And sometimes we meet powerful people who we are not aware has a measure of influence or power. And I think this happens more often than people um, care to 
uh, speak on. You know, if you looked at Moses, he was just some stuttering guy. You didn't know the whole entire Godhead was behind him. So Pharaoh underestimated him and lost his kingdom as a result. You have to be careful about that. You do not know what it is that you're actually facing. And so I think the story in 2 Kings is really kind of good. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. I'm going to be honest, the story used to bother me when I read about it as a young believer. Um, and even as a young child, I heard about this story. I hadn't read it really. I just heard about it and it really made me uncomfortable. But I'm going to share it with you today. The story in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23 to 24 is about a prophet who is wearied by a group of youths that are antagonizing him. They go about antagonizing antagonizing him, calling him old bald head, right? And he calls down a terrible consequence. And it's just really very stark and shocking. You really don't know, you know, I'm sure they didn't know that he was capable of doing that. They did not know that that could be their end. And you never know who you are dealing with in the natural or the spiritual, right? Don't just look at people in the natural, some very unassuming looking people, have a great deal of spiritual power of the Godhead behind them because maybe God has gifted them in some kind of way. Maybe, you know, they are a prophet of some sort. We don't know, right? So it's never good to be so out of control and, you know, so uh, wrapped up in your own emotions and feelings and not put a knife to your throat and consider what is before you first. Always rule yourself well. It is one of your best protections. Be sure to be in control of yourself at all times and consider what is being offered to you. Consider that there may be things you don't know, right? Don't be so quick to eat. Don't be so quick to say yes or act rashly, even if he or she is offering you something that you very much like. As in this description of Proverbs, they call it his dainty. So it's something very nice, right? And you're thinking, oh my God, let me get it. So we're talking about controlling all impulses, not just the negative ones, right? So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 50, God gave man dominion. That is when he gave mankind dominion over the earth. That is rule over everything physical. But now that we have the Holy Spirit, we have dominion over things spiritual too, as we see in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. And I think that's pretty huge. This is a really big departure from what mankind could do, you know, in the Old Testament. You know, there were things we could do, but did we really have control over the spiritual world? No, not really. <laughs> Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. It says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so I love how Jesus noted the real reason for rejoicing should be our entry into the kingdom and not our dominion over spirits because he knew how mankind loves power over others. And so pride has a similar flavor. It wants to be over others. It cannot be humble and admit someone else's greatness or authority. I wanna ask you, can you admit someone else's authority or greatness? It's always problematic when someone can't do this and it belies something, I think, evil. The Greeks call it something, I think it's called the city's trap. And it's really interesting. It's this idea that an up-and-coming power or growing 
you know, power poses a threat to the current one. And that says something about pride. It's also been called hegemony. It's something that people in international relations like to call hegemony. In our interpersonal relationships, we call it domineering. We call it narcissism. We even call it Napoleon complex because it's this idea that you cannot see that other people can have authority or power too. Because we're so concerned with having some sort of power, we never really exercise the most important kind, and that's control over ourselves. So if you can't share power, that's a telltale indicator of what I would call the Satan syndrome that got Lucifer banished from heaven. So be careful. Remember, self-control is the most important kind because God wants you to have power, but mostly over yourself. He doesn't need you, you know, really so much to, you know, wield it like a sword to cut everyone you meet. He needs you to use that power for good, for doing what he wants you to do. I want you to think about this. If God gave you the power to zap people, not kill them, just, I don't know, give them a little buzz, would you use it on everyone who made you angry? <laughs> I mean, try it one week. Just try this out, okay? One week, just count every person that you would zap because they made you mad. And I want to ask you, how many people is that? That tells you why sometimes God doesn't give us the power to the things that we want. Because sometimes we don't have the self-control not to do it to everybody, right? And that is what God wants you to do. He wants you to have control enough not to zap everyone. And think about it. God is all-powerful. and He has such self-control that someone can shake their fist at him and curse him. And he doesn't zap them or take their life. That is really interesting, right? And then we can see how exercising certain fruit would prevent us from being so hasty. That's why the fruit of the spirit is so important. Self-control is the biggest indicator. It will change your very life. You will not be a victim of other people's attitudes, your own emotions and circumstances. You see, emotions are good, but they should not be in the driver's seat of your life. Emotions are like indicator lights on a car. Imagine if the engine light just blasted a foghorn whenever it came on, you'd probably crash. And so when we think about the indicator light, it's instead just a gentle reminder, a blinking light or a little tinkling sound that's non-threatening. Some of us amplify our emotions like the foghorn in the effort to be real or authentic, not realizing how it actually disorients us and that it throws us off course for the moment. So instead of, you know, doing these kinds of things, learn temperance. And this takes practice and time. I'm not saying you're just going to get it overnight, but it is worth it. It frees you up to see clearly and to see the alternatives in your life that you may not have initially saw before, especially if you're on an emotional high. I want you to look at what God says about the spirit. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 32 to 33. It says, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And so in this scripture, it teaches us that we have control over our spirit. It's why I do not believe in sudden outbursts and running wildly and exuberant displays as evidence of God's spirit. I just, I, I don't believe that, guys. And I'm sorry, maybe, um, I just, I don't know. Maybe there's a way you can convince me. But let me tell you what I do believe. I believe that those are demonstrations of the temperament of the person 
or the persons who are engaged in that kind of activity. And if it is not their temperament, then maybe they may be compelled by peer pressure to keep the energy of the environment that they are in, and so they might behave in such a way. But the Bible is telling us that we are in total control of our spirit, and we have the right or the ability to quench the very Holy Spirit itself. So I don't think the Holy Spirit is just going to grab you and throw you down on the ground <laughs> and make you start rolling around or you know any of these things. I think it's more about your temperament and how are you controlling yourself, right? And so I think that it's important for us to understand this, right? You know, sometimes we are a little caught up in the peer pressure, right? And so I think that one shouldn't be so overwhelmed that it's, you know, causing other people problems. I'm just so caught up in the spirit, I person someone in the face. Or I'm just so, like, I'm not saying you can't make mistakes, we all do. But you are in control of yourself. God isn't going to turn you into a flailing madman. So self-control or self-dominion is a good quality of God. And so if we see that self-control is a quality of God, anything that is not that is probably not God. He's probably not forcing you to do that. Because if you look at it, it says the fruit of the Spirit is temperance, self-dominion, self-control. And so any situation where you've lost all control of yourself, I'm not so sure if that actually belies what the Spirit is trying to do in your life, right? And so we should exercise it as an indispensable fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is for our body, it's for our mind, it's for our soul. Even the call to transform one's mind, as we see in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, is actually a call to self-control about what we are thinking about and for how long we are thinking about it. And it is also a call in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, to not let the sun go down on our wrath. That means it's a call to self-control, to control your emotions and how long you sit in an emotion, especially a negative one. You see, self-control involves exercising dominion, dominion over the mind and soul, the body, the spirit, and even the emotions. So, let us recap about what we learned about self-control. One, self-control is protection, like a wall around a fortress city. Two, self-control or self-dominion requires you to take responsibility or authority over yourself. Three, self-control gives us time to consider what is before us as we see, it says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 1 and 3, about putting a knife to your throat to consider what is before you. And then four, self-dominion or self-control helps us rid our environments of confusion and ultimately errors in judgment. That is why the Bible says that we, um, the Spirit is subject to us, right? So that there is no confusion. And then of course five, Self-control is practice, and it is also an exercise in wisdom. As we see, the whole book of Proverbs is a lesson on self-restraint and prevention. So finally, self-control makes us more like God, and that's really the bottom line. The more that you can control yourself, the more you are like God. He chose to have dominion over himself, not just us, himself. And if we are to be like him, 
we must practice self-control and heed this prompting of the Spirit as an indispensable fruit. I pray that you continue to practice and learn temperance and that you heed the Spirit whenever it encourages you to practice self-control. May God bless you. Bye.